My name is The Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Because they came to whose house? Where'd you go to college? Syracuse? Syracuse? That's a basketball school. Rain man, good to go. Hey coach, how are you? I'm good, Rain, I'm good. Thanks for doing this today. No problem. I'll have an English muffin if you got one. What's that? No, I'll go ahead. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh-huh. This is the Sportzilla Show. Here's Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. Today's World Radio Day 2020 scoop. We've both worked in radio for a long time. We have Nick Ells. He's done it like college radio with a shotgun. A little bit of uh, commercial, terrestrial, good old-fashioned real radio in a Yankee sweatshirt, so I let you slide. Nick Ells is also not happy with the Comic Sans font that I use when I type up our show map and some of the other information <laughs> that we have here. I always it, wondered why you used that. It, I, and it's funny that you you didn't ever say anything until he brought it up, but just goes to show and prove that he has no filter and he doesn't care what he says. He's rude and offensive, <laughs> and I'm making that up. No. Uh, it, so, yeah, tell him the story. Dan Gilbert with the Cavs, tell him the comic stands. Well, yeah, the, the whole story from a few years ago when he left the, the Cavs, the LeBron, the first time, you know, Dan uh, Gilbert, the owner of the Cavaliers, penned this note to fans and sort of, uh, you know, to LeBron in Comic Sans. Mm-hmm. I not penned. I guess he typed it. Uh, but he was mocked mercilessly for yeah. using that font. It's just a weird-looking font. I don't understand what it's purpose or why it was designed i don't really understand that for any font though i mean i get times new roman that kind of looks like what a typewriter does i but well i purposefully go in when when i'll set up documents and and i switch to that font because it was mock mercilessly mercilessly jimmy kimmel and so many others went on to mercis mercilessly mock the font so i use it because i think it's funny i have a weird sense of humor you know this this is your own little joke yeah, that you've been doing every day, and I didn't. Even, I'm sorry, I failed to acknowledge the Comic Sans until now. I do, we do a, a lot of other forms of radio together, Scoop. I think it looks weird, though. It's just a weird looking font. But I've been doing it, and I'm gonna, I was going to continue to do it until somebody mentioned it. But I'm going to tell you this right now: I'm not switching back because now it's even funnier to me. It's going to drive Nick Ailes crazy every single time. That we are on the air together. He joins us on the Sports Illustrated Show. He is he is SMH right now. He has shaken his head. Well, actually, my head is, hasn't moved at all. You have a bobblehead? Well, you, you you, no, you, that's a lie. We have Twitch cameras over here. You could go to Q Sports Talk you on said Twitch. I'm, you said I'm SMHing right now. My head was standing still. Out of my periphery, when I was speaking to Scoop. Maybe moment, you should get your periphery checked. Just a second. I have my glasses on. I'm good. Cool. You, you did this. I did that when we started. You did called this. Me rude. You did this. I didn't think I was rude. I'm going to have to be rude. I and now you ruined my plan because when I died, I was going to have my tombstone written in Comic Sans. <laughs> but now that you did this, like, uh, I don't want to be copying anybody. So now i got to find another font. Are you able to read what's on there, though, even though it's in Comic Sans? I can read it. That doesn't mean I'm not disgusted by it. You can dislike the font, but as long as you can read the words that are on there, it's a win. For who? All of us, because we can proceed with the Sportzilla show. You it, know what? That is a win. Yeah. I it, love the Sportzilla show. Yeah, thank you. We love having you in here, Nick Ailes. Well, don't lie. But. 
No, we do. We like having you in here. We prefer some others over you. I mean, it's not like you're... Oh, so I'm like the comic sans of this station. Yeah, I don't. You're not a Q1. Like, you're not a Q1. Just like, a comic sans. I'd rather Nick be in here. Let me just... Nick's my favorite. Certain. Can I, can I just... I'm just going to say that right now. One out of one. That's what I believe in my heart, Scoop, but I don't want to say that to him on the air. I'll tell him when we get off the air. Perhaps <laughs> we'll, the save, satisfaction. we'll save this conversation for the Twitch cameras. I'm just trying to give you more to handle with him, you know, with, and this bloated ego he's now going to have. After we take our first break, in the commercial breaks, in which the mics are hot during our commercial breaks, uh, you can listen to me. I'll, I'll back off that. I'll be nicer to him, but it's more fun for argument's sake, I suppose we'll go with that. But I bring up, uh, you're like, you're a Q3, maybe, maybe you're even a Q4. Talking about wins, that's what Syracuse is up against. This is called the transition, Nick. Florida State and Louisville are next up for Syracuse after the NC State loss. And they're both on the road. And boy, would that strengthen our chances. Because Jay Billis, who we all know and love, says that right now Syracuse is a Tier 4 team, which basically means... They need an at-large bid at its, as it stands, pending perhaps and hopefully winning these two games and how they round out the last, what, seven or eight games in the season. But basically it means they're on the bubble as as we go into the next upcoming games. Well, yeah, and it, are we going to have Elijah Hughes? That's a big question That's mark. That's the biggest question mark. You know, uh, kind of need him if you really want to do anything, it, even in March, if you are invited to the tournament. Uh I don't know. I mean, obviously, the wins in these next two games would be awesome. It would go a long way. But, gosh, we said that about these last, you know, three. So, I don't know. I don't know if they're getting in or not. they got to win their way in. I hope they do. I really hope they do. I mean, not just as it's something to talk about, but just as a fan because I'm a homer. If you don't know what the tiers are as far as Jay Billis is concerned, Tier 1's a national title favorite. Tier 2 is Elite 8 Possibles. Tier 3 is Sweet 16 Contenders. Tier 4 means you got to get better. And that's where Jay is putting SU. From where you are right now. They're, uh, I think, uh, they cracked the top 68 of that list, like number 47 overall. They're 14th ranked in Tier 4. So they've got to make up some ground. They've got to get some wins. I mean, I would think they have to at least get one of these next two games on the road. I don't know which one, but they've got to at least get one and then win some more over the course of the season. I mean, we're getting close to the end of the season. There's not that many games left. Florida State, Louisville, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, North Carolina. That game, by the way, has been moved to 4 o'clock. I don't know if you saw that. I I did not. Official confirmation. The North Carolina game is at 4 o'clock. Boston College and then at Miami. That's the regular season, and then it's over with the next few weeks. Then it's tournament, and hopefully we get a bid. And it it would stink to not make the tournament because we look forward to that every year, you know. And Gosh, it would be like empty. It would be like not having Christmas. Sportszilla show on ESPN Radio ninety seven point seven and one hundred point one. So Nick, Nick, Nick was like, oh, "I'm a tier four. I'm a tier four. Can I bump you up to a tier three right now? I mean, I'd rather blow you out of the water as a tier four than be a pity tier three. <laughs> There's no expectations, so he can instead of underwhelm us, he can overwhelm us. You know, you almost yeah, 
You pr- promise a little bit, and then you over-deliver on that. I'll bump you to a Tier 2 right now. Wow. If you tell me what's on your mind as far as Syracuse basketball, the transition that we just made into it and the conversation we just started. I mean, that was a good transition, Thank first you. of all. Thank didn't you. Get to, didn't get to congratulate on that one. But, I mean, I, I share the same thing. I I don't know. I, I want to sit up here and say, you know, I got hope that they're going to you know, crush these last seven games and make it to the tournament, but I just... There's some about me that's like pulling at it. It's like I, I just don't see it this year. So I, I ga- really don't. I gave you the background information on Jay Billis and his four tiers of different teams. At the bottom is where the seven regular season games remain on that sheet in mm-hmm. Comic Sans font. In Comic Sans, yes. But what are winnable games there to you? Well, I mean, in theory, in every a- game's a winnable game, right? But, but re- I mean, maybe realistically, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, the way North Carolina's looked this year, I can see a win over them. Beatable. Boston College, even that was a close game the last time, and Miami. Although Miami's going to be a little tougher, so probably I say four of those seven are winnable. I'm not sure Florida State, Louisville on the road, and then Miami's going to be. Miami's always tough. Without factoring whether it's a Q one, two, three, or four win or, or whatever. Just overall, if you win five of those games, boy, you go five and two the rest of the way. That's outstanding. That really gives you a good chance. It depends on which five they are, though. That's but that's the thing. You have to factor that it factor that in. I really think they need to win all of them. Mm, Well, yeah. Then then there's no question. If you if you did beat Florida State and Louisville and then lose one of those other games, well, then everybody's going to go well. Well, I don't think you're going to see. Maybe they got lucky, and maybe they're not worthy. Scoop, I don't think you're going to see another one for ten shooting performance from Joe Girard, for example. Well, and and I'm surprised that the the threes aren't dropping. I think that's got to get better. I think it, it, we've have to have hit rock bottom with regards to the number of threes that we're in. And we've got to continue to make some strides, put that effort in, and protect the middle of the court on both ends. As well, I mean, Quincy Garrier can't get every offensive rebound, for example, just when, you know, when we have the ball. Elijah Hughes cryptically tweeted without directly saying that the injury, yeah, it, it kept him out of that game. But I don't think it's a major problem overall. I think that he's going to be a factor for the rest of maybe, you know, maybe it affects him in the next game. But but overall, for the rest of the regular season, he's going to be a player in this. It's not a severe injury. It's not going to take him out for a couple of weeks. I don't think that's the problem. Well, certainly hope not, because he's one of your key scorers. You got to have that guy on the floor or there's no future for this team this year. Interesting news, Syracuse basketball related, but I'll take you back to a guy that played a long, long time ago, who's now 47 years old, moved back to Syracuse a couple of weeks ago, all-time leading scorer for Syracuse University, but he's been overtaken within the Big East. Marcus Howard of Marquette just passed Lawrence Moten, poetry in Moten. Yeah, the Big East all-time leading scorer. This happened just last night. He had 24 points. Marquette lost to Villanova. Howard now has 1,408 points in Big East games. But you're basically looking at a record that stood for about a quarter of a century. How good was Lawrence Moen? He wasn't spectacular at anything, but he was way above average at everything. And, of course, if you remember when he played, you always loved the D.C. socks, man. He always had the socks just up under the knee, the short. You could barely see any knee in between the shorts and the socks. He just had style. He, he had an all-around game, obviously moved on to the NBA 
for a little while. He gives back to Syracuse. Now we've seen him at some different events that, that this company has had. I had a chance to play in a weird wheelchair basketball game with him, a charity game. He's just a fantastic human and just, it's so awesome to see him being part of the program overall. And then again, a lot of Syracuse players come back to watch these big games. They love being orange. Well, for 25 years, that number has stood. So that tells you something right there, that a guy like Lawrence Moten doesn't come around that often. And certainly now we finally have somebody who's eclipsed that number. It's just, it's wow. It's it's funny. Mike Hopkins had said it's a hell of a trivia question. Mike Hopkins was teammates back with him in the early 90s. Not many people outside of Syracuse would ever get it. They'd have to Google it. That's what Mike Hopkins went on to say. Mike Hopkins, by the way, as we bring him up, Washington, man, it, not good right now. I think we talked about this last week. It's it's tough to see. He's he's having some growing pains in coaching. They're just they're losing some games. And coach of the year, two years in a row out there in the Pac-12, and it's not as easy as it looks. Had a very interesting conversation at the bar last night with a couple of gentlemen who uh, their whole angle was that when when Coach Bayheim retires because he wanted a coach buddy, that that Mike comes back to Syracuse and is, is the next coach. And if not, it, you know, you hear speculation is GMAC, is Jerry, who joins us right here on the Sportsless Show on Mondays, is he potentially being groomed to be a coach? I, I mean, I could see it. He, he knows his stuff. He listen the... The detail, the nuance, the understanding, the legacy of this program, getting here at 18, playing your four years, continuing on. He's still a very young man. He could have a nice long run and just continue. I mean, he has bought into the way and the expectations of Syracuse basketball. I'm saying he's a great ambassador, and obviously the, the IQ for the game is, is huge, and he's beloved. Jerry McNamara is beloved. He understands how the media works here. He understands where Syracuse and what Syracuse means in the national landscape as far as college basketball is concerned. I mean, I'm not saying that that's who they're going to go with. What the hell do I know? This is just a fan perspective, but you never know. He's definitely going to be in the conversation without question. Let's take our first break. Major League Baseball has a bit of a cheating scandal. Wow, man, unbelievable, isn't it? Some of the remarks made by... Well, the lack of empathy and remorse is astounding. The owner, Jim Crane, yeah. And Bregman and Altuve, and it was an apology that really wasn't an apology. So we'll discuss that. I've got some great audio from around the sports landscape next. Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Syracuse.com and the post-standard Syracuse beat writer Mike Waters is in the booth with Matt Park every Thursday. Brought to you by Oswego County Insurance Agency and Fellman Brothers Automotive. We are the pulse of the orange. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. A reminder, if you miss any part of the broadcast, you can catch the podcast posted to social media right after the show. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find it there. Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, the ESPN Sportzilla Show. The paralysis of overanalysis. I like when you when you rhyme and you have flows like that, Scoop. I really do. It just connects in my brain for some reason. It's the only way I can remember things. I do that, too. Or alliteration. It's got to be an alliteration because that always pops out to me, too. Nick Ells just informed us, if you were watching on twitch.tv backslash Q Sports Talk, that it's really a matter of who he 
dislikes the least when he comes in here onto the SportsZilla show with us. Yankee sweatshirt on again today. Big baseball fan, Nick Ailes. Mm -hmm. Houston Astros apologized. Jim Crane, the owner, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve. Well, did they really apologize? The whole, their public relations team with Houston literally put them in front of the microphones. And I'd say it was about two minutes later, they were out of there. They were just gone. And they protected them yesterday. Pitchers and catchers have been reporting across Major League Baseball. They didn't give any media access whatsoever. They're hiding from this. They're not owning it. You just got to get in front of this because it's not going to go away. It's going to just be a black cloud that hangs over this team all year. And it certainly, just think about this, the legacy of not just that team and winning the World Series, but each individual player. Because you sat there going, man, Jose Altuve, 5'6", he's amazing. Carlos Correa, amazing. Look at what Bregman's doing. Amazing. And on and on down. And the next thing you know, they all cheated. So you know, you know what, man? You're not as good as we thought you were. You're good, but you're not as good. I just I keep flashing back on Altuve and the jersey and don't take my jersey off. You know, I, I just think they were wearing wires. I think they've been doing that. I think that they got off light in terms of the punishment. Not only is this a cloud that hangs over the Astros, I think this is a cloud that hangs over the commissioner's office. It certainly does, and over the game in general. So where are you at with this? As a Yankees fan, start there, Nick. And then, just as a general observer and fan of baseball, remove your Yankees fandom from it. Give me both. Give me your observation from both angles. All right. So, I mean, as a Yankees fan, I'm just, like, disappointed. Like, the commissioner comes out, Rob Manfred, he's like, this is going to be the big punishment. It's going to kill every ounce of willingness to do this, and then it's just a slap on the wrist. And it's like, what's the point of even hyping yourself up like that? So that's, it's just disappointing. I'm not even mad anymore. Like, I just, I don't, I mean, I care, but like. I'm past it. I'm just, I'm over it. Like, let's just play ball. General, general opinion. General, I think, (laughs) I think it's. I think it's funny. I think it's funny because, at least in the press conference today, I saw a post on social media that Jim Crane, I'm going to get the words wrong, but the general gist is that Jim Crane's like, well, sign stealing, uh, it didn't impact the the outcome of a game. And then 55 seconds passed, not even a full minute. That's right. And he said, well, I didn't say it didn't impact the outcome of a game. And the reporter's like, well, which is it? You got to pick one. It's just like, I don't know. I think I, I'm with Scoop. Like, did they apologize? Not really. Like, what if what if I was really mean to like? What if I was my regular self to Rain, and then Rain <laughs> cried, and then I took a poorly written two minute PR like scandal. I'm sorry you cried, and I read it to you. <laughs> like, am I really sorry? Not really. They could be like, I'm so very sorry that I made you cry. You bald man. I feel so horrible about what has happened. I certainly hope to learn from this and be better next time. Yeah, right. Like, is that an apology? No. No. That's exactly what happened. I've got the audio that you're referencing from Jim Crane. You know, our opinion is, uh, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, We had a good team. Um, We won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. Jim, when talking about the Yankees there, did you say you feel like this didn't impact the game? And what do you mean by that? I I didn't say it didn't impact the game. Basically, 
you know, as the commissioner said in his report, he's not going to go backwards. Um, it's hard to, to determine how it impacted the game, if it impacted the game, and that's where we're going to leave it. I had the audio. I gave you the receipts. Can you forgive my comic sans now? Yeah. All we're right. Cool. All right. We're good right we're now. Cool. Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Denial ain't just a river in Egypt. Yeah. Let's just, come on, dude. It's just, it, it, He's it, not even approaching an apology. He won't allow himself to do that. His precious World Series that is tarnished forever with an asterisk and cheating. Asterisk Astros. It's. I was thinking the exact same thing. The acronym GTFOH is exactly what I shared on I, social media. Get yeah. the out of here it's, with that it's a joke. noise. It's a joke. And and because of this, these questions are going to be asked at every spring training game, some variety, some offshoot of these Astros sign-stealing questions, the Red Sox, the, the players that were involved. It's going to be asked in every ballpark in one way, one fashion or another. Alex Bregman's fake because that's what this is, apology, robotic at best. And if you actually see the video of this, it's painful to watch. He is so uncomfortable. It's it's almost like the Geico commercials with Pinocchio where the nose is growing. I expected that to happen on Alec Bregman. He does. I can't fathom he feels remorse. He's embarrassed that they got caught, but this is not a heartfelt emotional apology based on what happened. I have some brief remarks that I'd like to share with you all. I'm really sorry about the choices that were made by my team, by the organization, and by me. I've learned from this, and I hope to regain the trust of baseball fans. I would also like to thank the Astros fans for all of their support. We as a team are totally focused on moving forward to the 2020 season. Thank you. Somebody else wrote that for him. Here's Jose Altuve. Also, remember, they got to the World Series because of the home run he hit off of Araldus Chapman and then the buzzer thing and don't take my shirt off. And yes. it just seemed like he knew what was coming. Yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. We had a great uh, team meeting last night. And I want to say that the whole Astros organization and the team uh, feel bad about what happened in, in 2017. <clears throat> We especially feel remorse for the impact in our fans and the gain of baseball. And our team is determined to to move forward, to play with intensity, and to bring back a championship to Houston in, in 2020. Don't you feel like, based on he used, he threw his wife under the bus saying that she didn't want him on TV with his shirt off? Doesn't that make her sound terrible? I want her and some of her girlfriends to tell us what they talk about when they go out to lunch or have a glass of wine together, maybe when all the other players' wives and girlfriends. And I want them to go, no, no, she's, it really is a thing for her. She's a very jealous type of a girl, and she doesn't like Jose to be viewed that way. Because I don't believe that at all. This is the same mindset that led to the whole steroid scandal. We got big contracts that rest and rely on uh, numbers that are attained by these players and benefits. If you win a World Series, if you win an MVP, if you do this, you do that, you get this extra money in your contract, this incentive. 
And it led to guys taking steroids to boost their numbers. It led to the Astros to actually normalize in their minds that what they were doing in stealing signs was okay. Did you hear what Buster only said was the operating philosophy of the Astros as far as this is concerned? I did not. Let me share that. I bet you that you probably could find situations in which all 30 teams, at some point or another, you might have had you know, a pitcher looking at a starting pitcher on a day's now pitching, looking at video and then saying in the dugout, yeah, this is what the signs are. Um, and I think the Astros operated under the premise that everyone was doing the exact same thing. Right. But it's clear from the reaction that the whole in real time using technology to, to see the signs of the catcher and then communicating with the banging of the trash can to the hitters, it's co- it's clear that that was, in the eyes of a lot of their opponents, above and beyond. Otherwise, you wouldn't have heard that reaction from C.C. Sabathia and Kershaw and Evan Longoria, and I could right. name another 50 players. There has been an almost understanding that it was known around the league that the Astros were doing this. Numerous teams believed this to be true. Action had not been taken for a long time until this broke, courtesy of... Mike fires. And what happened at the end of last year? All these teams knew what was going on and they started to help the Nationals. They they started to call their buddies on the Nationals and go, hey, you know, they're doing this thing and this is watch this guy and, you know, make sure you do this with your signs, change up your signs or have a series of signs, make it harder for them to pick out the signs. Not only did we think that the astrono- the Astros were a dynasty, a juggernaut, but just goes to show you how the Nationals went in there. They won all four of their World Series games in Houston. That's makes the that makes that feat that much more impressive based on what we now know. It truly is a hell of a win for the Nationals. I'm glad they won and not the Astros at this point. Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Going to be right back. Miles Garrett reinstated to the NFL. Tom Brady, where is he going to be the quarterback? That and a few other questions next. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Lane and Scoop. It's the Burdick Ford and Burdick Toyota basketball pregame show with Seth Goldberg and Danny Shays. Prior to SU basketball games all season long, Saturday, you know, got to win. FSU Saturday. Check it out. World Radio Day today. I'm still celebrating that because I've worked in it for a very long time and I'm proud to be a broadcaster. We had National DJ Day what, like a month ago and now it's World Radio Day. Are we going to have Ecuadorian Radio Day next week? It was but National we, Make a Friend Day the other day. We did. We talked about that. But it's mm-hmm. it's it's we're local though. It's a live local radio company. We've got. I mean, we're here, dude. You know. I mean, I'm thinking. Okay. I mean, I'm so local. I'm literally thinking about a roast beef sub from Wegmans as we speak Ooh. right now. The, the main headquarters. Uh, as far as my son is concerned, by the way, which I've talked about over on when I was on K Rock all the time. Uh, he loves turkey subs from Wegmans. It's his favorite place ever, and the one in Fayetteville is his favorite Wegmans. We've gone to other Wegmans. I mean, we've been to Wegmans in Rochester, for example, or other places. Wegmans in Rochester. Rochester. That's what he calls it, too. Rochester. But that is the real Wegmans. Like, the rest of them are not real Wegmans, even though, obviously, you know, the turkey sub in any one of them is the same. 
that's the real Wegmans. But we're so live and local. We're in Wegmans, too. It feels good to do radio live and local in Central New York, Scoop. Uh, yes, it does. It's, it's better than not working. Here's my build-up, though, for World Radio Day. I hope you like this. In the 13th of February, World Radio Day. How about a little radio? February 13th is World Radio Day. Change my radio station. Radio transmission. Transmission. Does that make you feel better? Uh, actually, I'm thinking about a turkey sub from Wegmans. <laughs> See what I did? Yeah, now you want some late lunch. <laughs> That's what I want. What's the deal with the Ohio Medical Board and the Browns and the Bengals saying their fandom is not enough for medical marijuana to alleviate the pain of football? Well, there were a number of fans who tried to make that one of the reasons that you could get prescribed marijuana in Ohio. And, well, you know, the powers that be, they said, ha, ha, ha. Nice try. We feel your pain, but that's a different kind of pain. Yeah, this is legit. So in December, Cincinnati, Ohio resident Vincent Morano, being a Browns-Bengals fan, was among the multiple petitions filed, according to documents released by the State Medical Board, the fandom was rejected, among others, that lacked the required support to continue with the process. In three of the past four years, one of those two franchises has been the worst in the NFL. So in order to deal with that, they wanted to get approval to use medical marijuana. That's basically the gist of it. Yeah, and <laughs> if you watch the football played by both of those teams, you might suspect that the front offices already had a batch of medical marijuana. Yeah, I, I think that you might be right. So this is SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Speaking of Ohio and your Cleveland Browns, Scoop, it's your favorite team. Your guy, Miles Garrett, is now back after the whole incident with, uh, who's the quarterback on Pittsburgh? It was Mason Rudolph, right? Yes. So after all of that, he's back. He's reinstated. Well, we kind of figured that was what was going to happen. He went and made his mea culpa in front of the powers that be, and I'm sure he'll have to do a public service announcement uh, after school special, uh, some such that's mandated by Roger Goodell, you know, about the dangers of of concussions and swinging helmets. Kids, don't swing helmets at home. I mean, it looked terrible on TV, but are you are you past this? Is this one of those things where it's over, it's done with, punishments have been served, you're not going to change anything, let's just move on? He may have lost a million dollars, right, in game checks? Well, yeah, he lost a lot of money. It's, it was a, a awful decision on his part, you know, but this was an awful Browns season with all the expectations and talk of Super Bowl and to go out and lay an egg like that with all this high-profile talent on the team um, the offensive line problems. Now we've got a coaching and a GM change. What a nightmare. What an absolute nightmare. And I'm glad it's over. So I'm not, I saw it yesterday. I saw my, I follow Miles Garrett on Twitter. I saw him tweet, you know, the happily that he was reinstated. He's got to feel good to be in good standing with the National Football League. Elsewhere in the NFL, 
Of course, the Tom Brady saga, he's officially a free agent. It's kind of crazy at his age to finally, after, what, 20 years and all those rings, to be able to ultimately go wherever he wants to go. He's asking for a lot of money. They've got a couple of weeks to wait before they can officially negotiate. But uh, I guess, according to Jeff Darlington, they got a couple of days to sell Brady. March 16th is the day when teams can legally tamper, essentially. They can start talking to other players. March 18th is the day when... Brady's $13.5 million dead cap hit takes hold if he hasn't signed with the Patriots, no matter what. So there's going to have to be a decision about whether he stays with the Patriots or not by March 18th. Is that enough time, those two days, is that enough time for the Patriots to show Tom Brady that they are loading up on offense? So ultimately, there's like a 48-hour window to decide what they want to do. I mean, I have to think if he's willing that that's exactly where they're going to go with all of this. Jeff Darlington then went on to say, well, maybe you'll go to the Raiders. The ability to collaborate with John Gruden. Uh, One of the things that I believe Tom Brady is looking for is a coach that is willing to give him some creative uh, license within the offensive game planning. And, And I very much believe the Raiders are interested in Tom, and I believe that if they were to sell it right to him, he'd be interested in them. So where does Derek Carr go? I mean, coach doesn't have any creative, artistic quarterback license with Derek Carr. Well, where does Derek Carr go? Derek Carr, the quarterback, end up playing. Panthers float as an opportunity with Carolina. But then that leads the question, well, wait a minute. Then where does Cam Newton go? Well, Philip Rivers is not on the Los Angeles Chargers anymore. And you're saying to yourself, well, wait a minute. Where does he go? I'm looking at a Florida team because I think maybe Tampa's an option because Jacksonville's already got Nick Foles and Ryan Tannehill is going to be in Miami. It's a possibility, right? Sal Capaccio with uh, WGR covers the Bills. You've heard him on with Brent Axe from time to time. He released his potential list of landing spots. Like, who's going to be the starting quarterback for all of the NFL teams? And there's a few of them that jump out at you. I mean, Joe Burrow. Projected to be the number one pick. He's going to go to the Bengals, right? But then where does that leave Andy Dalton? He is also on this list. Where's the team? The Patriots. Why? Because we just heard. Maybe Tom Brady goes to the Raiders. There's some interesting names on here in some moving parts. There's some of these teams where you go, wow, Marcus Mariota. Where's he going to end up? With Ryan Tannehill in in, uh, Tennessee with the Titans? The Bears, because Trubisky, they have to pick up his option at some point soon. Uh, the Dolphins, in that it's Fitz Magic again. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's Fitz like, Magic is an illusion. It doesn't last. It looks, ooh, what? and then the, the cloud of smoke disappears. Can, and they, like, can they lure, uh, you know, somebody else? I don't know who, where does Tom Brady want to go? Where, where does Philip Rivers want to go? They want to go somewhere they can win. And there's a limited number of places. For that to happen. Yeah, there's just a lot of guys. I mean, you can just take so many teams off the table. Like the Jets are going to stay with Sam Darnold. Lamar's staying with Baltimore. Roethlisberger's staying with Pittsburgh. Well, I mean, how, how many? Deshaun in, with the Texans. This Roethlisberger has threatened retirement before. You know, how much time does he have left? How many games does he have left? Well, you forget there. I mean, Eli just retired. These uh, Philip Rivers and... Big Ben were in the same draft class. They're getting older, too. I mean, Tom Brady is truly a freak of nature at this point. But you're starting to see the signs. He's not the same this past season as he was in previous seasons. 
He's still a very good quarterback in the NFL. But he didn't have a lot of weapons, though. Crazy discussion to have. Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. The Syracuse Crunch are wearing some miraculous jerseys tomorrow. If you're a Crunch fan, you know about this. We want to touch on that and a couple other things next. Stand by. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Lane and Scoop. I believe the Syracuse Crunch beat Binghamton yesterday. It was a shutout win. So congratulations to the Syracuse Crunch. You hear their games right here on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Scoop, they have a pride night on February 22nd, which I just think is fantastic. I've been going on for a while in hockey and professional hockey, but just to show inclusivity, anybody can love and or play the game of hockey, support the game of hockey Want to give kudos to the Crunch, another team doing that, of course, in the American Hockey League. Tampa Bay recalled Alex Volkoff. So he's a good player. He's doing some yo-yoing. He's doing the up-and-down thing like uh, Corey Conacher. Yeah, Coco was doing that earlier in the season. Coco is is my favorite player on the Crunch. No disrespect to anybody else on that roster. I just have admired his game for a very long time. But he's still putting up some numbers. But as far as the Crunch are concerned... They got a game coming up against their big rival for the uh, the Delmonico's Italian Steakhouse Galaxy Cup, which is a lot of fun. Throughway throwdown, a couple of good teams. It was a crazy five four loss for the Crunch, but it went beyond overtime to a shootout. That stuff is so much fun to watch. I, I get to uh, get away, you know, do away with the shootouts that argument, but it really is fun to watch when you're in the building. It is fun to watch. I like. The old school. Uh, I did like those overtimes that seem to go on forever and ever. But we get those in the postseason now. You know, uh, so uh, I'm okay with that. It is exciting. It gets everybody home a little earlier, you know. And, and how about the Miracle on Ice jerseys, the USA hockey team? I mean, I'm wearing a Miracle on Ice hoodie right now. Uh, they're going to look sharp tomorrow night. There's a, a city called Clinton, if you're not familiar with it just outside of Utica, and the Clinton Arena was Hockeyville last year, I believe it was. So they got some renovations from the NHL, and their high school team just won the girls' state championship for their, you know, the side was the division section size of the school, whatever that is, but they won a state championship. So that was congratulations. But uh, it just it made me think of of Miracle and those jerseys because they were in Lake Placid, they want it on yeah. that sheet of ice. So it's pretty neat how it all kind of comes together. Those those jerseys are replicas of that team, and they are beautiful. I saw a piece with Slava Fatisov, who was on the Red Army team, Yeah, when he went back to Lake Placid and was in that locker room again and went there with his daughter. And, you know, to see it from that perspective, the, the losers – side of the ledger you know that wasn't necessarily a a fun thing for those guys you know we've celebrated that but they were expected to win you know and uh, there's there's a lot of drama behind the scenes it's a fun thing to look into you know what they had a a goal some goalie drama in that game if you remember the russians did with their coach uh it's an interesting story when you go back through it game tomorrow it's a great rivalry Fans of the Crunch and the Comets travel well back and forth. There's a lot of great chirping within the building. Upstate Medical University Arena at Onondaga War Memorial, which is something I'm trying to teach myself. 
All right, we can go back. I guess now the rest of the sports world is still arguing about the Major League Baseball Astros cheating scandal. I want to just leave everybody with the words of Jason Fitz from first to last. He's on with Golik and Wingo. Uh, but he was talking about, well, there's no forgiveness until you tell the truth. He makes a great point. Listen. You don't get to move forward until you tell us how it happened, why it happened, what happened. Then, then you can ask for forgiveness. You don't get to say, I'm sorry, without explanation, and then demand forgiveness. You don't get to come out and ask us to believe sincerely that you're trying to move forward without telling us how you got to where you were in the first place. That's a joke. That is a joke for the Astros to come out in this moment when they have been preparing for this forever to come out and say that. It's insane to me. So Doug Glanville, who's an analyst with ESPN, has said the Astros didn't do enough in their apology, any of them. I agree. And he also said he's not buying the apology from Bregman or Altuve. He name-dropped them specifically. So there's going to have to be some more damage control. That's all I know. we got to get you on the block. Brent Axe is up next. Axe Man, after this, the Sports Hill Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. See you tomorrow at 3.